Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Iowa Countdown. With a week to go, GOP candidates barnstorm Iowa. There's going to be a new day in America. Without chaos. I'm running for your issues. Pretend we're one point down. Is this race more fluid than it seems? And battle for democracy. Facing political headwinds, President Biden hits the campaign trail with an all-out focus on Donald Trump. Democracy is on the ballot. As Trump tries to flip the script. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. Will Biden's strategy work? Three years after the January 6th attack, former Vice President Mike Pence will join me from Tel Aviv, Israel. And then South Carolina Democratic Congressman Jim Clyburn. Plus, health scare. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin facing criticism for waiting days to tell the president and the public he's in the intensive care unit. How serious was his illness and why was it kept secret? Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the state of our union is once again just shaking our heads. We're eight days from the Iowa caucuses, one day past the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And Donald Trump is dominating the political conversation in the only way he can, with wild and outlandish comments. Among them, claiming that the U.S. Civil War could have been avoided if it had been negotiated, mocking the war injuries that the late John McCain sustained as a Vietnam POW, imitating President Biden's stutter. All of this as Biden is trying to frame his own bid around protecting democracy. Yesterday, as CNN obtained shocking new video of rioters directly off the House floor on January 6th, shouting at Capitol Police and Republican lawmakers, Trump attempted to twist the facts about the attack on the Capitol by his supporters, claiming that President Biden was the actual threat to democracy, while 1,265 of Trump's supporters have been charged for their criminal conduct that day. 718 have pleaded guilty. 171 have been found guilty at trial, including for such crimes as seditious conspiracy and using deadly weapons and attacking law enforcement officers. Trump is calling on Biden to release these criminals. Some people call them prisoners. I call them hostages. Release the J6 hostages, Joe. Release them, Joe. You can do it real easy, Joe. To be clear, these are not hostages. Hostages are the innocent people Hamas kidnapped from Israel and is now holding in Gaza. Women and children and at least seven Americans. These are prisoners. Americans accused and convicted in many cases of crimes related to the January 6th insurrection. Now, Trump's role leading up to that day is now a topic for the U.S. Supreme Court, which will decide whether the former president can be disqualified from state ballots in the wake of the Capitol attacks because of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, barring those who engage in insurrection from holding federal office. Now, no one was closer to the events of that day than Trump's vice president at the time, who is in Israel right now to give support to that country in its war against Hamas. 
And joining me now from Tel Aviv, Israel, is former Vice President Mike Pence. Mr. Vice President, thanks for joining us. So today marks three months Thank since you, those uh, horrific Hamas terrorist attacks uh, on Israel, October 7th. You're in Israel. You uh, recently met with families of hostages still being held in Gaza. More than 100 hostages are believed to still be alive, including six Americans. A lot of the hostage families with whom I've spoken uh, are pretty critical of the Netanyahu government. They say they don't think Netanyahu uh, is doing enough to get their loved ones out, that, they, that he's prioritized military operations instead of getting the hostages back safely. Uh, is that what they told you? Well, what I, what I heard from uh, not only families of hostages, but as we walked the streets of uh, Kafar Aza, uh, kibbutz that was literally decimated uh, uh, by the uh, Hamas terrorist invasion on October 7th was, a, was deep grief, but also a determination to move their nation forward and to restore their security. I mean, I, you know, it was remarkable to see uh, the resilience uh, of the people and the families that had lost loved ones, the families of hostages, and uh, one understands uh, their impatience. And, uh, you know, I have three kids of my own, two grandkids, I can't even imagine the level of grief that, that they're experiencing and the struggle. But I must tell you that I, I have never spent three days uh, on the road in any capacity, uh, whether it was on as vice president or as a member of Congress, where I've, I have felt greater heartbreak and greater inspiration in combination. When we went to the south and we visited the kibbutz where the Hamas terrorists literally slaughtered families in a merciless and horrific way, I... I I just never thought I'd see the aftermath of war like that, and, and literally an unspeakable evil. But to see the resilience of the people of Israel, uh, to be among the troops along uh, the northern border uh, with Lebanon uh, left me uh, deeply inspired. But more convinced than ever that the United States of America must in this moment uh, stand clearly shoulder to shoulder with Israel until they hunt down and destroy the threat of Hamas once and for all. So you have said uh, that Israel has the right to respond to those horrific attacks of October 7th and the responsibility to destroy Hamas, as you just did. But it does seem that the IDF strikes have killed more Palestinian civilians than they have members of Hamas. And there are Israelis who are worried about the high civilian death toll in Gaza, including for the reason uh, that this high civilian death toll might actually ultimately make Israel less safe by inspiring more future terrorists. Do you share any of those concerns? Well, first, Jake, look, I, I, I grieve the loss of innocent, innocent civilian lives. Um, but one of the things I learned as we visited Sterot, uh, where the terrorists literally took over the police station and murdered people in the streets, um, uh, is, is that this was not simply a terrorist attack. But I believe it was a terrorist invasion. I mean, what I, what I learned in our briefings in the South was that uh, that fence line separating uh, Israel from Gaza was breached in more than 90 different places simultaneously, paving the way for some 3,000 terrorists, heavily armed, to move into Israel. And in fact, the, the briefings I received pointed out that actually the terrorists uh, uh, had sufficient armaments uh, and supplies to literally march all the way here to Tel Aviv, all the way to Jerusalem, but for the heroic efforts of police, 
IDF forces and, frankly, courageous citizens, uh, they were stopped from doing that. So uh, I, I really believe that what Israel is doing in Gaza today is absolutely essential. It is a response to an invasion uh, that was launched with the intention of beginning the process of destroying the Jewish state of Israel. And I, I really do believe uh, that, that this is a moment where, where America needs to speak with one voice, that we will stand with Israel today and tomorrow and every day until they have won outright this fight and eliminated the threat of Hamas. We learned late Friday night that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, spent multiple days this past week in the hospital, including time in the intensive care unit for a medical issue that is still undisclosed. He did this without the public, without Congress, without the National Security Council, or even President Biden being informed for several days. The defense secretary temporarily assumed some of the deputy defense secretary temporarily assumed some of the responsibilities while she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. As, as a former vice president, you, you have uh, unique insight as to what this actually means for a secretary of defense to be unavailable and to not be transparent with his boss about his health. What, what does it mean? Well, first, I, I, I wish I wish the secretary of defense well and I'm pleased he's making a full recovery. But uh, this, this the handling of this uh, by the secretary of defense is totally unacceptable. Uh, and I, I believe the American people have a right to know uh, about his medical condition, about the reasons for it. Uh, and he has, a, he has a right to know uh, who was informed of uh, his incapacity. And uh, I mean, but, but to think that at a time when we have allies at war in Eastern Europe and here in Israel, uh, that uh, the leader of, uh, of America's military at the Pentagon would be uh, out of commission for a number of days, and the President of the United States didn't know about it. I, I, think, it, I think it was a dereliction of duty, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and the Secretary and the administration, frankly, need to step forward uh, and give the American people the facts. Yeah, we still don't even know what he was hospitalized for. Um, yesterday marked the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. A Washington Post poll this week found that a third of Republicans believe the falsehood that it's probably or definitely true that the FBI instigated the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, President Trump uh, was spreading that lie just this weekend, falsely claiming the FBI was, quote, leading the charge on January 6th. That's not true. Obviously, your life, the lives of your family members were threatened that day. What do you say to those, including your former, former running, running mate, who are actively spreading this baseless lie, or maybe even more importantly, to those who believe it? Well, I, I would say uh, to uh, every American, as I did during my, uh, my presidential campaign, that I know I did my duty that day uh, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. I, I kept my oath. Uh, and... Uh, and they, they also simply need to, to look to the facts that, uh, that uh, the Capitol Hill police uh, uh, endured great hardship and great harm. I think over 120 officers were injured. I saw many of them moving uh, through the garage where I was spirited uh, on the same day. And, uh, you know, the, the, the truth is that, uh, that this was a, a riot that should never have happened, uh, that... Uh, that, uh, as I've said many times before, the former president's words that day were reckless. Uh, I believe well, his history will judge uh, his role in that. But at the end of the day, where, where I live every day, and, uh, and frankly, the words of encouragement that I receive on a regular basis is I know, by God's grace, uh, we did our duty that day three years ago. But 
I, I will tell you, Jake, that uh, I, I, I actually I understand why President Biden wants to focus his campaign on, on three years ago. The record of this administration has weakened America at home uh, and abroad. And, uh, you know, I, I actually don't think the election is going to be decided on a tragic day three years ago. I think it's going to be decided on the failed policies of the Biden administration mm -hmm. uh, that have emboldened the enemies of freedom around the world, that launched the worst inflation, that created the worst crisis on our border in, in American history. And it's one of the reasons why I continue to hope uh, that uh, with the Iowa caucuses, New Hampshire just around the corner, that you know, all the good Republican voters in those uh, states will uh, give our party a fresh start and uh, give us new leadership uh, to lead our party forward in the election and beyond. Is there somebody other than Donald Trump that you want the voters of Iowa to, to get behind? Is there somebody you prefer, whether it's Governor DeSantis or Ambassador Haley? Uh, you are somebody whose um, endorsement uh, could actually uh, make a difference with any wavering Republicans who want a fresh start, as you know. Well, I, I've, I've been speaking to several of my old competitors, I think very highly, uh, of uh, Nikki Haley, of uh, Ron DeSantis, and frankly, Chris Christie's been a friend for many years. And uh, I, I don't put a lot of stock in endorsements. I'm not sure whether I'm going to weigh in or if and when I will. But, you know, I ran for president because I think different times call for different leadership, Jake. And, and I'm hoping that the good people of Iowa that I got to know so well in my campaign, the good people of New Hampshire and South Carolina and uh, we'll, we'll look at this moment and recognize that elections are about the future uh, and we need new leadership in the Republican Party. We certainly need new leadership in the White House to move us forward. And if I see an opportunity to have an impact on achieving that, uh, uh, I'll certainly do it and I'll keep you posted. It's not just President Biden who's focusing on January 6th, of course. You have Donald Trump still talking about it. Do, do you want to just like take this opportunity to clear up this lie that the FBI was leading the charge on January 6th. It's obviously not true. I'm sure you know it's not true. Do you want to make, make that clear to the voters? You know, I've seen the, the director of the FBI repeatedly assure the American people that uh, the FBI were not the instigators uh, of the riot that occurred on, on January 6th. And uh, frankly, I'm very grateful uh, for the efforts uh, of the FBI to bring uh, nearly 1,000 people to justice who ransacked our capital and did violence uh, against police officers uh, that day. But uh, you're right. We've, we've been assured again and again that it was not the case. Uh, and I, I'm, I just must tell you, having been there that day, I, I mean, to see people literally breaking windows, ransacking the Capitol, um, it, it just infuriated me. I, I remember thinking, you know, not this, not here, not at the United States Capitol. And I believe everyone that conducted that, uh, that riot at the Capitol needs to be held to the fullest extent of the law. I'm pleased that many have, uh, but uh, I, I've never been given any information. I've, I've heard the many repeated assurances from the FBI that they were not involved, and I take them at their word. There was late news on Friday uh, evening. The U.S. Supreme Court is going to hear and decide whether former President Trump can be disqualified from a presidential ballot uh, under the 14th Amendment's ban on insurrectionists holding office. Former Congresswoman Liz Cheney on Friday would not go so far as to say that she supports taking Trump off the ballot, but she did say, quote, his actions clearly constituted an offense that is within the language of the 14th Amendment, unquote. My guess, covering you for some time now, is that you don't support taking Trump off the ballot. You probably prefer that the, that be left up to the voters. But setting that aside, 
Do you think Donald Trump engaged in insurrection? I've never called what happened on January 6th an insurrection. And uh, it is noteworthy that uh, even in the federal case uh, in Washington, D.C., the president hasn't been charged uh, with insurrection. It, uh, Jake, I was there. Uh, it, it was a riot, uh, the way it broke out. And, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and I've never seen it uh, any other way. And, and while I said that the president's words were reckless, uh, and I believe that history and the American people will hold him ultimately to account, for his role uh, in that day. I, I, uh, I think these efforts uh, to take the decision away from the American people are really antithetical to the very democracy that uh, the President Biden and many Democrats talk about wanting to defend. I, I'm, I'm very confident uh, that the American people will choose wisely. I'm confident that we'll uh, run our elections, but uh, uh, removing the former president or any other candidate uh, from the choice of the American people, I, I don't believe is in the interest of the country. and. Uh, uh, I have uh, reason to be confident uh, in that uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, uh, will see it just that way. Two tough anniversaries this weekend, the uh, three-year anniversary of the January 6th uh, Capitol attack, the three, uh, yesterday the three-month anniversary of the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence in a unique position to talk about both of those issues on this Sunday. We thank you for your time. Thank you, Jake. President Biden is headed to the key state of South Carolina tomorrow. Has he lost ground with the voters he needs to win re-election? South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn will join me next. And with a week to go, is a surprise brewing in Iowa? We'll try to read the tea leaves. That's coming up. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited-edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. The Republican caucuses and primary process begins next week. But with President Biden facing political headwinds, he is trying to skip ahead and go right to the general election. He's trying to paint a stark contrast with his predecessor, Donald Trump over democracy and political violence. Tomorrow, more on that from President Biden. He will speak at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where a white supremacist murdered nine innocent black worshipers in 2015. Joining us now, South Carolina Democratic Congressman Jim Clyburn. Uh, Congressman Clyburn, thanks for joining us. Let's start uh, with President Biden's trip tomorrow to historic Mother Emanuel AME Church. What are you hoping to hear from President Biden? And is it fair to tie in any way what happened at the Emanuel AME Church to Donald Trump. Donald Trump had barely launched his campaign when that attack happened. Well, thank you very much for having me, Jake. I think it is very clear uh, that Donald Trump's utterances 
uh, way back before Charlottesville or at the time of Charlottesville ties him uh, to uh, what happened uh, at Mother Emmanuel. The fact of the matter is that young man went into that church's basement, joined with those worshipers in Bible study, and murdered them. And he said at the time that he was attempting to create a race war. But the people of Charleston, South Carolina, the families uh, of the affected uh, uh, victims, all came together uh, to get beyond hate and reach out to help continue this pursuit of a more perfect union. Donald Trump looked at those people in Charlottesville and said that there were good people on both sides. And those people were uttering things like, Jews will not replace us. That is a religion. The AME Church, Emmanuel, that is religion. And Donald Trump has said things uh, in support of those activities that ties him closely uh, to what happened at Mother Emmanuel. The Washington Post reports that former President Obama met for a private lunch with President Biden recently uh, to express concern about how Biden is managing his reelection bid. This comes as President Biden uh, is struggling to solidify support among black voters, uh, including on that trip to South Carolina. Obviously, you were instrumental in Biden getting the Democratic nomination. Obviously, black voters uh, were instrumental in President Biden getting then Senator Biden or then Vice President Biden getting the nomination in 2020. How worried are you about black voters showing up for President Biden in November? Well, I'm not worried. I'm very concerned. And I have sat down with President Biden. I don't know. I saw those reports. I've also seen at least one report indicating that I have sat down uh, with President Biden. And I did uh, with him. Uh, and I've uh, told him what my concerns are. I have no problem with the Biden administration and what it has done. My problem is that we have not been able to break through uh, that MAGA wall in order to get to people exactly what this president has done. If you took the little simple thing as student loan debt relief, he promised to relieve student loan debt, and he has done that. But one part of his promise he was not able to keep because six Republican um, attorneys general and the United States Supreme Court, the six to three vote, stopped him from doing so. But he sought another way, and he has forgiven $132 billion to 3.4 million people in student loan debt. But nobody writes about that. Nobody talks about that. I'm still hearing from people as recent as yesterday that we did not, uh, he did not keep his promise on student loan debt relief, and he has. 80% of what he said he would do, he has done and is continuing to do it, and people don't focus on that. They only focus on that 20% affected by that court decision rather than what he did to get beyond the court decision. He's done the same thing when it comes to the judiciary. He stood right across from Emmanuel Church and said, if given the opportunity, he would put an African-American woman on the Supreme Court. He has done that. 
But he went even further and put a South Carolinian African-American woman on the second highest court of the land, a South Carolinian African-American woman on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. He has appointed more African-American women to the courts of appeal than all previous presidents combined. And that is a fact. And if you go through each one of his pieces of legislation, mm -hmm. look at the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. He has reduced the cost of medical care, capped insulin at $35 a month. I know what insulin would cost in a month. My late wife died from diabetes. $800 a month she was paying for insulin. So this president is keeping his promises, but keep, people keep focusing on the one or two things he did not get accomplished. No, we didn't do yeah. uh, what we wanted to do uh, with voter, uh, with the John Lewis Voter uh, Education and Advancement Act. But we are going to keep working until we get it done. Sounds like the Biden administration needs to fly you around the country to, to speak on his behalf, sir. Um, let me ask you, because we just learned Friday night that uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been in the hospital since last Monday, including in the intensive care unit. This wasn't disclosed to the public until four days later in a Friday night news dump. President Biden wasn't even informed about this until Thursday, a source tells CNN. We're obviously currently in the middle of several major military challenges. Is this acceptable to you? Vice President Pence called it a, a dereliction of duty. I don't think it's a dereliction of duty. No, I don't think that at all. I do uh, wish that it had been uh, disclosed, and maybe it was. Maybe just not made public. So I don't know all the particulars here. I do know Lloyd Austin. He is a stand-up guy. He's a great uh, defense secretary. Uh, he has been a tremendous military man in this country. And I'm told he is now in charge of things as he was before the illness. Now, we have some laws in this country, the HIPAA laws. Uh, keep us out of people's medical businesses. And I do believe this man has as much right to be protected by those laws and be subjected to those laws as everybody else. He does have a duty uh, to uh, keep the public informed. And I don't know whether it was him or uh, somebody inside of the military establishment that decided uh, to do it this way, uh, but I'm sure. Uh, he will do a little better going forward, as he said he would. I just want to circle back on something you said about your sitting down with President Biden to express your concerns. You said among them uh, are the fact uh, that there has been some difficulty breaking through what you call the MAGA wall to get information to voters. Obviously, uh, you, you talked uh, at, at some length about some of the information uh, you, you want people to know about when it comes to student loan, for, student debt forgiveness, uh, and, and uh, uh, the judiciary, and on and on. What are some of the other concerns you have about the, the Biden campaign? Because obviously, uh, look, throughout the 2020 campaign, there was never a major American poll uh, that had uh, Trump beating Biden. Um, but right now, that's not the case. Uh, there have been several major American polls in battleground states and nationally showing President Trump beating Biden. Um, what's the problem beyond what you've already talked about? Well, the first thing is the time frame within which these polls were taken. At this particular time, last round, President Biden had just lost three primaries. Had just finished fifth in New Hampshire at this particular time. But beyond the primary, after Super Tuesday, 
is when we knew who the nominee was going to be, and he did well going forward. So when you have uh, someone running uh, in the primaries, we got two or three people running in the primaries, we got people running third politics. At this particular juncture, these polls are not a true reflection of where voters are. I've seen polls that say, when you look at people who say they will vote, Joe Biden beats Trump. Now, I don't pay attention to those things until we get uh, a contest going forward and the primaries uh, are behind us. But having said that, when I talk with the president, I talk with him about my Rainey Smalls project. Joseph Rennie was the first African-American to serve in Congress uh, ever or to be elected to Congress uh, here in the country. Robert Smalls, everybody remembers Robert Smalls. For several years, I've had something I call my Rainey Smalls project. I shared uh, with President uh, Biden uh, what I uh, did with that project. Uh, that project was the reason we were able to be as successful as we uh, were uh, several years ago uh, with the primary uh, and his contest here when he won in South Carolina by 29 points. I'm going to see that nationalized. That's the kind of effort that I would like to see nationalized, which I think uh, will uh, turn the vote out uh, for Joe Biden uh, this November. All right, Congressman Jim Clyburn, Democrat of South Carolina, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me. All the latest from Iowa when my panel joins me next. Stay with us. From executive producers Park Chanuk and Robert Downey Jr., The Sympathizer is the new HBO original limited series based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel of the same name. Join me, Philip Nguyen, a scholar of Vietnamese-American culture, and the cast and crew as we discuss the making of this historic series. Subscribe now to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and stream HBO's The Sympathizer starting April 14th exclusively on Max. Nikki Haley and Ron aren't working for your interests. They're working for uh, the interests of other nations and themselves. And so are those two. Nikki would sell you out just like she sold me out. I mean, if you watched his speeches a little bit yesterday and then compared that to the Trump of 16, this is not the same candidate by any stretch of the imagination. For those that want me to hit Trump more, I just am not going to do it. Welcome back to State of the Union. That is what the last 24 hours have sounded like on the campaign trail in Iowa with just eight days until the caucuses. My panel is here to discuss. Uh, Amanda, let's start with uh, Nikki Haley there. It's understandable, I suppose, that she doesn't want to alienate Trump voters while trying to convince them to join her. Uh, but do you think that's a mistake, the way she's approaching this? Yeah, I think the entire campaign by Trump's challengers has been a mistake because they have been reluctant to talk about his biggest vulnerabilities, like his alleged criminality, January 6th. So once you take those big issues off the table that make the most voters uncomfortable, even Mike Pence, when you asked him early in the hour about January 6th, obviously he doesn't like it, but everyone is afraid to talk about it. And the most revealing quote from Haley, she said a few days ago, if Donald Trump is going to lie about me, I'm going to start telling the truth about him. Nikki, what have you been waiting for all this time? You are losing by 10, 20, 30, 40 points to him. Tell the truth for God's sake. Brad? 
Well, 60% of the Republican primary voters would entertain voting for someone else. And Donald Trump's negatives are baked in. His challengers don't have to raise them. What they have to do is prove that they can eclipse him. Uh, Republican voters are looking for someone who has a lot of attributes Donald Trump has. And that's what, that, that's what his challengers are trying, their, their job is. But I, I would also say you have Donald Trump attacking Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis attacking Nikki Haley. Guess who has momentum in this race? Yep. It's Nikki Haley. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, one of the reasons I've heard it uh, theorized that Donald Trump has been doing well in polls is because he's basically been quiet. Some people even calling it a, a, run, a basement campaign. Disciplined. He, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> anyway. Not on uh, Truth Social. But, well, not on Truth Social <laughs> and not on, on some media outlets, but he's out there now and he's speaking. And here's an example of some of what we heard the last day or so. The Civil War was so fascinating, so horrible. See, there was something I think could have been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think you could have negotiated that. Abraham Lincoln, of course, if you negotiated it, you probably wouldn't even know who Abraham Lincoln was. Obamacare is a catastrophe. Nobody talks about it. You know, without John McCain, we would have had it done. But John McCain, for some reason, couldn't get his arm up that day, remember? Now, just for those who are not aware, uh, Senator John McCain, who was a key vote against uh, um, getting rid of Obamacare, the reason that uh, President Trump is talking that way is because John McCain can't lift, couldn't, he's, he's passed away, couldn't lift his arms above his head because of the torture he suffered at the hands of the North Vietnamese when he was a POW in a war that he enlisted in, as opposed to some other individuals from that era who claimed to have injuries that they didn't really have so as to avoid service. This doesn't even shock people anymore, I don't think. No. Look, this is a man who is running a revenge campaign that's built on grievances, still going after a patriot who died several years ago, right? And then he's rambling on about the Civil War and about what could be negotiated. And what, I mean, this is, this is someone who is not up to the job of being president. And I think that to what Amanda was saying, his Republican opponents need to dive in there, right? They need to prosecute that case against him, because if they don't do it, no one else will. And I think the fitness for office, which Joe Biden talked about in his speech at Valley Forge, is one of his biggest liabilities. One Trump, of Trump's Trump's biggest liabilities. I think his biggest liability is his character, which is where um, Nikki Haley uh, and some of the remaining Republicans should be going right after. I think that's where Biden is focusing on. Um, because that's a huge weakness for the for the former president. How does one negotiate uh, the Civil War so as to prevent, <laughs> yeah. like, would you, like, allow slavery in a couple states? Right. Like, what's Keep the... some slaves and let some free. Perhaps that's the negotiation he's talking about. Um, I mean, well, one of the other candidates won't even acknowledge, you know, what the Civil so, War was yeah. actually well, about. Well, she did amend her Advent, answer. Yes, yes. And, and clarify that she had black friends as well to qualify <laughs> her answer. Um, but Donald Trump, like, you know, you said... It would be a disaster for this country. He allowed for January 6th to happen. He was the instigator of January 6th. If Nikki Haley won't prosecute him on the case, if Ron DeSantis won't, I mean, luckily Chris Christie is, but he's so far down in the polls, it's highly unlikely he'll be the Republican nominee. But Joe Biden is willing to do that. And that's what the Biden campaign did just on um, the 5th of January when talking about what is actually at stake. It will be, there will be other issues on the ballot as well, but you know, the Republicans are starting to say, like, of course, uh, Joe Biden is only going to talk about January 6th because they want to look in reverse. That's not looking in reverse. We're actually looking to the future because we have people in the Republican field who won't even acknowledge that the election results are real, yeah. that won't say what happened on January 6th was an insurrection. 
and are actually saying they would pardon the people that were a part of it. So, uh, Amanda, you said earlier that the Republican candidates uh, challenging Trump aren't really going after Trump. I assume you exempt Chris Christie from that because he's been doing nothing but uh, and, and frankly has been suffering in the polls. Here's his latest ad. Most of the other candidates in this race are all trying to look into people's eyes and figure out what they want to hear. I'm looking into people's eyes and knowing that the truth is ultimately what they need to hear and what they deserve to hear. Even at times when you get booed for doing that. I have never, Brad, heard a candidate uh, go on TV and brag about being booed. Well, although I, I don't, I don't want to dismiss. He's, he, he does get booed for telling the truth or at least for being critical of Donald Trump. But but he's tried everything else. So he has to try this now. Uh, I, I, th- I think I watched Joe Biden's speech and I saw an old man telling ghost stories. Uh, trying to scare the kids. And, you know, the fact of the matter is Biden doesn't want to talk about where the state of the country is, so he wants to campaign on Donald Trump. And it's a trap for both candidates. Trump and Biden are the likely nominees on both sides, and the trap is that both of them want to run a campaign in the rearview mirror. Uh, I thought there was nothing in that speech that talked about the future. There's nothing in that speech talking about how Biden's vision for policy is different than Trump's. And I I think it was a mistake. Let's push back on that just a little bit. Let me let me I'm going to come right back to you. We're going to squeeze in a quick break and then we're going to talk about Biden instead of Trump in the next blocks to stick around. Former President Obama reportedly voicing concerns to Joe Biden about his reelection campaign that next. Amanda, hold on. Just going to take a quick break and then I'm going right to you. It's the first national election since January 6th. Insurrection placed a dagger at the throat of American democracy. We all know who Donald Trump is. The question we have to answer is, who are we? Biden's record is an unbroken streak of weakness, incompetence, corruption, and failure. He's a threat to democracy. I'm a th- They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. Welcome back to State of the Union. A split screen from the 2024 presidential election front runners. That's probably, I hope you liked what you just heard because you're probably going to be here about 11 months of that. My panel's back with me. Amanda, before the break, Brad was saying that Joe Biden in that speech in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, after visiting Valley Forge, was an old man telling ghost stories. Yeah, this is a split screen I have a really hard time with. When there are Republicans, as you mentioned, you said Biden was telling ghost stories, as if Donald Trump isn't making us relive this national nightmare. Um, now and will be doing for the uh, rest of the 2020 campaign. What's the nightmare specifically? The living nightmare is that he is the one keeping January 6th alive with his campaign premises to provide uh, pardons to the January 6th rioters with his continued language that somehow these uh, January 6th rioters who have been rightly prosecuted and jailed are political hostages. You see members of Republican leadership also echoing that language that they are political hostages. That is so very hard for me to hear, especially when you interview someone like Mike Pence, who is in Israel now, who is looking at the reality of what a hostage actually is. Those things do not match up. It is wrong to allow that kind of rhetoric to continue and have it come from the the person who's going to be the Republican nominee for candidacy. Um, Although Um, you did hear some hope from uh, Mike Pence. I mean, I've never heard. He basically was saying, I hope the Iowa caucus Republicans don't vote for Donald Trump. He said he wanted a fresh leadership. And yet there is real concern uh, from Obama and from Clyburn and from other Democrats that Biden 
is not getting the job done. Uh, the Washington Post has reported that Biden invited Obama to the White House to, to discuss the election. According to the Post, Obama became animated about Trump's potential return to power, Biden's current campaign structure. Quote, Obama has been even more explicit with people close to Biden, suggesting the campaign needs to move aggressively as Trump appears poised to quickly wrap up the Republican nomination. And we should note that Trump continues to beat Biden in head-to-head -head matchup polls, not just nationally, but in key battleground states. Yeah, I just want to say to your point quickly, Brad, <laughs> is that they're not ghost stories because, yeah. you know, it, that's referring that they're in the past when every day the nominee is talking about it. So it's very much a, a threat in the present. And I think that's what uh, President Obama was getting at to Joe Biden. It's like, we cannot take this for granted. We cannot let 2016 happen again, where it's like, oh, no one will vote for Trump. When you just quoted in the segment with Mike Pence, what, 47% of Americans actually think that the FBI instigated January 6th? That's not a ghost story. That's Those are real Americans who are being fed lies by the Republican nominee. And so we can't risk running a Biden campaign that is not full force right now. And so with the speech that he just gave is important, they're staffing up. And I will just say from the folks that I have talked to at the Biden campaign all the way at the top, they are not taking this for granted either. They are staffing up, going into battleground states, going into primary states, not like getting the vice president out there. They understand the threat that is pending. They are going to talk about Joe Biden's record and they realize they have to meet where they are from the diversity of coalitions, because many folks have different issues that are a priority. So my point is that Joe Biden had a choice this weekend. He could either give a speech on January the 6th anniversary or on 10-7 anniversary. And if he were to give a speech on the 10-7 anniversary. That's the, uh, just for people at home, the Hamas uh, terrorist attack on Israel. And, and tell his base to get in line and stand behind Israel. Independents, who Joe Biden's struggling with right now, would look at him and go, oh, maybe he is the centrist he promised he would be. That's the choice they had this weekend. They made the wrong one. Well, well, well hold on yeah. one sec. He, he gave a very forceful speech in defense of Israel right after 10-7. So I think, and he's been one of the most strongest advocates for Israel out there. So I think, I, I don't think we should go there. I think it's actually good that we have President Obama engaged, excited about this race. If he's voicing some suggestions to the president, great. I want him out there. I want him excited. I want him campaigning. He's raising a lot of money for the, for the current president. That's a good thing. They are running, a, I, I think campaigns evolve as they naturally do, especially reelect, where you have um, you know, the third year, they're focused on closing out the third year, making sure that they can segue into the fourth year where it's gonna be all about the campaign. They've got a really good campaign that they're building in Wilmington. They still got a really strong structure in the White House. They've spent a lot building up state parties. I'm not super worried about their infrastructure or their planning that they're doing. I think mm -hmm. that's all you know, moving in the right direction. And I also think once it's 100% clear that it is Donald Trump who is the nominee, and as Clyburn mentioned this, yeah. he's the nominee and then Biden's the nominee, I think these polls are going to start look differently. So, Amanda, it's not just... Um folks like Brad, who yep. uh, don't think that the message from Biden is a good one. It is Republicans who are probably more like Carpenter Republicans. Mitt Romney, uh, an example. He said, quote, as a Biden campaign theme, I think the threat to democracy pitch is a bust. January 6th will be four years old by the election. People have processed it one way or another. Biden needs fresh material, a new attack, rather than kicking a dead political horse. That's from the New York Times. Again, that is an Amanda Carpenter Republican there, right? <laughs> well, and I, I, I think
think I'm more of a Liz Cheney Republican right now than no. a Mitt Romney Republican. We have to pick among our vast I universe said, of Republicans. Yeah. Um, but you take my point. I do take an your point. An anti-Trump Republican. And it is Republican. important. It is significant that someone like Mitt Romney is saying that. I also thought it was significant that George Will earlier in the Washington Post this week somehow equated uh, Joe Biden to an authoritarian because he engaged in uh, improper process to install a nominee. There's a lot of people trying to like put these hard, tough issues away that usually come from a place of good faith. Um, I just think they're making the wrong call. Um, campaigns usually have traditional issues, economy, uh, president's age, immigration. So many people desperately want to go back to that world because it is safe and comfortable uh, that they just are afraid to keep talking about the issues that matter, like democracy, which makes this 2024 election completely unprecedented, even in a way different than 2016 and 2020. All right. Thanks, one and all, for being here. Really appreciate it. Going head to head in Iowa on Wednesday. Join us for the last debate before the Iowa caucuses, a head-to-head matchup between Governor Ron DeSantis and Ambassador Nikki Haley. I'm hosting alongside my co-host of State of the Union and friend and colleague, Dana Bash, 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, only here on CNN. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us. Fareed Zakaria GPS starts next. I will see you tomorrow on The Lead. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.